is the sweetest introduction, and I am so thankful to be here with you all. You guys are a blessed church. This is certainly, certainly a blessed church. Your pastor, his wife, your women's ministries leader, the pastor's kids, everybody here is so loving and so welcoming. It's just an honor to be in this house with you all today and how you just bring the spirit in. It's, it's his welcome for him to just come in, and so I'm thankful to be in this house today. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 19 and verse 1. My pastor is Pastor Tim Neal, and he also sends his greetings, and he's going to be in revival with you guys in a couple of weeks, I believe, and he is so excited. He is so excited, so ready. He's already planning what he's going to preach. I'm telling you, you guys are in for a treat, and he's in for a treat because I was telling him how much you guys love the Lord and how you want to see the Spirit move, and that's what he's all about. So he is excited and wanted me to tell you today when I came that he's ready to see you. Well, if you are in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Today, I am afraid that that's the generation that we live in. We live in a world that's saying, I have not received the Holy Spirit. I have not received the Holy Ghost because I have not even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. And I believe we need to see some things change in that. I believe it's time to raise up a generation who knows who the Holy Spirit is, not just because Grandma had him, but because he lives inside of them. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, right now, we come into your presence. We are here to meet with you. We are desperate for you. God, we didn't come here just to hear a good sermon. We didn't come here just to hear a words from a woman. No, we came here to hear from you. Let your spirit fill this place. Already begin to deal with our hearts and our minds. Speak to us today because we've come to meet with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you've ever been raised in a Pentecostal church, you know about Acts chapter 2. I have been raised in Pentecost my whole life, and so I know Acts chapter 2 when it says, And the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon each of them cloven tongues as of a fire, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And man, was it exciting. But they didn't stop there. They stepped out of that upper room and Peter began to preach in the streets. He began to say, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is that same fire that he spoke about that we have today, that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, that your old men will dream dreams, and that your young men will see visions. There was no gimmicks. There was just guarantees. And I'm going to tell you that same fire he talked about is the same fire we can have today, right now, in this generation. We can have the same thing that he spoke of. And I'm so excited about that. I'm so hungry for that. But I realize that we live in a different culture today. 
We live in a different time and a different thought process. Anybody in here have kids? Kids, grandkids? Right now, we live in a world where kids like to take um, tablets or phones and watch other children play with toys on YouTube. Have you ever seen them do that? You've seen little kids, they'll get the phone and they'll watch children play with baby dolls and dress the baby dolls and they'll watch other children play video games. They don't need to play it themselves. They can just watch the other children do it and they are just as satisfied. And we pick at them about this. We say, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? But I'm going to tell you that we've been doing it for so long. We've sat back and we've watched the people in the Bible do the miraculous, do the signs and the wonders. We've listened to our pastors get up here and say that God opened the jail cells and we cheer and we rejoice. But we would rather just come to church, get a good seat to watch church happen. We don't engage in the altar. We don't engage in the preaching. We don't engage in the worship. And we just sit back and watch church pass us by. It's time for us to change. Amen. Amen. We have traded the comforter for convenience. We've been given a promise of power and we've let it pass us by. Anybody in here got Amazon Prime? Don't You can raise that hand high because Amazon Prime is the best thing. I love it. I have it. And you know, the good thing about it, you, you only pay, you pay a monthly fee. You don't pay shipping for anything. You get your package in two days. Two days, that package is on your doorstep, and you can track the package. And I do. I track it in those two days. And I watch it for when it says it's going to be delivered. And if that package, it says it's delivered, and I go out there, and I don't see the package on my doorstep, I'm going to start calling somebody. I'm going to start emailing, where is the package? Well, Jesus delivered a package over 2,000 years ago called the Holy Spirit to this earth. And I find that we are not interested, that we aren't saying, where is it? Why have we not received it? And you may say, I have received it. I have received the Holy Spirit. Yes, but if I receive a package and it doesn't look like what it looked like online, I want to know why. Well, if what you receive does not look like what they were operating in, in Acts, you need to get Jesus on the main line and say, I want it all. I want every bit of it. I'm wanting all that you have for me. The Bible says that you will see miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders accompany them that believe. It doesn't say them who are apostles, those who are great Sunday school teachers. It doesn't say miracles, signs, and wonders follow great pastors. No, just those who believe. So that makes me scared. Because are miracles, signs, and wonders accompanying you? Are they accompanying me? So do we really even believe? Are we actually believing him? Because if we do, then they'll be accompanying us. It's something for us to think about. And I think about a bunch of times I've asked um, grown people. I taught a, a Sunday school class, and I would ask them, what are the fruit of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? And I find that we cannot name them. How can we be seeking the greater gifts, seeking the things of God, if we can't even name those things? 
how are we seeking them? I feel like we're in the place that they were in in James where he said that you would, they would like read the Bible and it was almost walking by a mirror, looking at yourself and seeing what you look like and then walking away and forgetting it. We come in church so many times and we hear what we can be, what we can do and what we ought to be doing and we walk by and say, yep, that's what I should be doing and we walk right by, back out that door and live exactly how we always have been. And it's scary because why would we do that? You know, I know all the females in here. When you walk by a mirror, if you see something off with you, you start fixing it. You start tucking stuff in. You start fluffing your hair. You get yourself looking back right if you see something wrong in a mirror. But there are times when you don't do that. For example, if your child breaks his leg, you can pick that child up and see yourself in a mirror and you'll say, I don't care what I look like, I'm getting this child to the hospital. It's because it takes priority in your life. It's important. It's more important than that other thing. So what are we saying when we see ourselves in a mirror, a spiritual mirror, and we walk by it and don't do anything about it? We're saying there are other things that are more important in my life than that. If, if the... If your boss tells you today you can get a raise if you do this, this, and this, you will start doing it. You'll start cutting stuff out of your life. You will start working on what he said to work on until you get that raise. They can tell you your child can get a baseball scholarship if you have them at every game, every practice, all these things. You'll have that kid there. You'll say, forget about the homework. We're getting you to baseball practice. It doesn't matter. We, we've got time with friends. You can do that later. We're getting you to baseball practice. Why? Because it's important. It takes priority. But I find that God tells us that we can have the same power living in us that raised him from the dead, that we can see sick people, we can see dead people raised from the dead. We can see the miraculous, and we treat him like the guy in the middle of the mall that's been trying to sell us lotion for the 15th time. We walk by him, and we smile, and we nod, and we'll let him put a little bit on our hand, and we'll enjoy that fragrance while, we, while it lasts. But we will not commit to it. We won't put anything towards it. We won't say, yes, give it all to me. I want, to, I want all of that. We just do him like that. Why? Why do we do that? It's been my question. I, I've been going through this season of asking God, what is wrong? What can we, should the church be doing different? Because about two years ago in July, I got real discouraged with church, the whole institution of it. I would come in and I would, we would sing and we would do worship and then we would preach and then we'd have altar and then we'd walk back out that door and it was the same thing over and over and over again. And I said, God, there's got to be something more than this. I don't understand it. I don't know what I'm wanting, but there's got to be something more. Because I was standing on the platform one day, and I'm just being real honest with you guys. I was standing up there, and a lady came down to be prayed for, and me and my pastor walked over there and prayed up for her. And then we walked back, and, and I, I looked at him, and I said, did you believe God was going to heal her? And he said, well, yes, I believe that God will heal her. And I said, yeah, well, I don't think I did. I said, and I don't think she did either. I said, because I didn't ask her to test it out and see if he did it. And if I believed he was going to do it, I would have asked her that. 
I said, and she didn't walk away disappointed, so I don't think she thought he was going to do it either. I said, I just don't think we actually think this thing works. I know I'm not believing. I said, and I want to change that. I don't want to live like that. Either I believe it or I don't. I don't want to be in the middle on the fence. And, and I'd been in church work for a while, and I read in the Bible about how people would walk around and they would all live together and they would rejoice and sing hymns to one another. Just walk by singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, just happy people. And we can't even get together and worship for one hour without arguing and fussing and fighting with one another. I said, this cannot be it. I was just so discouraged with it. And about this time, I started dealing with some sicknesses and some things in my body. Nothing too serious, but you know, if it's ever you, it's serious. And so I was dealing with these things, and this doctor came to me, and he said, okay, I think I got this pill. This should work. You should start feeling better. And I was sitting outside, and I prayed, and I said, God, just let this pill work. And he said, because I was tired of going to doctors, and he said, you don't need this pill. And I said, well, God. If I don't need this one, then let them figure out which one I do need. Like, don't let them give me this one. And he said, you don't need this pill. You need the Holy Spirit. When he said that to me, I said, God, I have the Holy Spirit. Remember, you were there. You baptized me in him. It was you. And what he spoke to me after that changed my entire life. He said, do you think what you received at an altar one time, that you exhausted the vast, endless riches of who he is? Do you think that's all there was? Is that initial evidence? Is that one time you spoke in tongues and that's all you needed and that's all you got? He said, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. Now I began to think about this. You know, a lot of times we used to, we would come down. Do you remember those services? where people would seek the Holy Ghost and they would seek him every service. You could preach on tithing and they would be down there seeking the Holy Ghost in the altar. They wanted it. And every Sunday, and they would, they would slap them up with all the oil and they would pull on them, turn them loose, let him go, send the fire, send the rain. They were sending everything. His fire was putting out his rain and his rain was putting out the fire and it was just, it was all kinds of stuff that was going on. And then one day, one glorious day, he received the Holy Spirit and it was wonderful. Amen. It was wonderful. And we rejoiced. But what happened after that? That next Sunday, he quit seeking. He wasn't seeking anymore. Why did he quit seeking? Did he think that was all there was? Did I think that was all there was? I got it. I'm good. I can sit down now. I don't have to seek him anymore because I got him. You do have him, but there's so much more to the relationship. There's so much deeper. You're supposed to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the Holy Spirit once you get him. That aroma just makes you more and more hungry for him. I had a friend who started texting me online, and I actually didn't know him very well, but I had other friends who did. And they said, be careful. He doesn't view you as a friend. He, he views you as more than that, and so just don't egg him on. And I said, oh, okay, I won't, I won't write him back a bunch. I'll just be careful. Well, he would write me every day, and he would say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? Several times a day. How are you doing? And I would not answer him back because I was trying to do what my friends said, my good supportive friends. And 
One day, I just couldn't take it. So I wrote him back and I said, hey, I am doing good. I'm, thank you for asking. And he wrote back and he said, oh, I'm so glad. And that was it. Never wrote another thing back. As if, as if the pursuit was for the response. That's all he needed. Not a relationship. He just wanted a response. And when we come down to this altar and we seek and we seek and we seek and then the Holy Spirit responds and we don't pursue a relationship with him, we look just like that boy did. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense, but we do it. I do it. But I don't want to be that way anymore. I've been thinking, when did we stop preaching this? When did we stop preaching the Holy Spirit and, and encouraging people to receive? Because you remember when along, actually, I don't even remember this. It's been years before that people would come down and they would seek for the Holy Spirit. I mean, they would get saved. They couldn't be saved two seconds. You'd say, all right, now you got to get sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad you're saved, but there's more. Don't stop here. There's more. And people would get it. They would receive it. When did we quit? Did we take this out of our doctrine? Somebody, we had a, a pastor's leadership meeting in the conference. And it was for all the, all the pastors of the churches. And we had a guy come in. And he was not Pentecostal holiness, but he said, I think we focus too much on Pentecost and not enough on holiness. And when he said that, first I thought, man, where in the world has this man been where they focus too much on Pentecost? I can't find Pentecost anywhere, just about. I can't find the moving of the Spirit and the power of God and the miraculous and the signs and wonders. Anyway, where has this man been? I want to go where he's going. Because I walk into a lot of churches, not this one, but I walk into a lot of churches that are dead as a doornail. And he told, he got up there and I was just, I got a little upset about it. Because I feel like I stand here in between a gap where a generation looks at me and says, we don't need the Holy Spirit, we don't want him, we don't want anything to do with him. And then there's another group saying we need to tone down how much we preach on him and how much we talk about him. So I went to the conference and I went to one of our leaders and I said why did we let him speak to our leaders why did we let him speak to our pastors why are we putting that in them that there's too much Pentecost that there's too much on the Holy Spirit why did we do that and he told me he said don't worry he can't go to general conference and he can't change our doctrine and I looked at him and I said, if he can change our minds, he can change our doctrine. It doesn't start with that little piece of paper at General Conference. It starts when you start indoctrinating the minds of the preachers. Amen. <laughs> Saying these things. We live in a generation who needs to know the power of the Holy Spirit. Needs to know it. I've heard people say, they say, well... You know, it just doesn't happen like that anymore. It's just a different age. It's just a different era. It's not like that. And, you know, I've also had people tell me stuff like, that fairy tale kind of love doesn't exist. You don't need to look for a man like that. You just need to find somebody who will treat you kind of good and, you know, just do the best you can. That fairy tale falling in love thing doesn't exist. Well, I've heard that my whole life. And usually those people are on their third or fourth husbands, and so they should know, but... I, evidently, they're not doing it right. Something's off. But I've been raised under a mom and a dad who love each other. 
They love each other with that fairy tale kind of love, even to this day. That honeymoon phase has not worn off. I'm telling you, they leave little notes for each other. They just look. My dad still goes to my grandma's house and steals flowers out of her garden for my mom. They love each other. And so to those people who tell me that doesn't exist anymore, you just need to settle, I would say you can say you've never seen it, but you can't tell me it's not still real. You can't tell me it doesn't still happen because I know I've seen it with my own eyes. And so I've quit listening to people who tell me that about the Holy Spirit. Just lower your standard. He's not moving like that. He's not requiring anything out of us. You know, he doesn't want us to do the miracle signs and wonders. He doesn't want to operate through you all the time. He doesn't want you to be fanatical and do anything that would make you feel uncomfortable. No, no. I'm telling you, I've been watching people like Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen and all these people of the tent revivals of the past. I've listened to them. And A.A. Allen said he went to an Oral Roberts meeting. And he said, God, if you can use him, you can use me. And God did it. He began to do the healings and the miraculous through him. And I thought, God... If you can do it through A.A. Allen, you can do it through me. You can do it through us. I'm going to watch things that encourage my faith to let me know, not the naysayers that say, well, just calm down. I'm just going to cut those right on out my life, and I'm going to start watching the ones that say it can happen, and let me show you how it can happen. Amen. I've been, I've been watching this guy. He got up there, and he said, all right, who in here needs healing for this, this, and this? He named some d diseases and sicknesses. People raised their hands. Well, he went through and he said, I'm not the healer. He said, the Holy Spirit is. He said, so I'm just going to allow you to stand there. He said, you stand up, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll heal you. It was a huge crowd. Well, people started getting healed. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. But then he did this. He said, now, who in here didn't get healed? And I thought, man, I can't imagine doing this. And he, people raised their hand. He said, okay, Jesus prayed for a man twice. We'll do it too. He prayed again. All those people started shouting. Everybody was getting healed. This man was seeing it. And I thought, that's it. That's it. We're so afraid to say, well, are you healed or are you not healed? Did God do it? We don't want to say that. That's why we don't ask. Ask. If you ask, that's how you can know. God will do it. Begin to ask them, are you healed? Test it out. I had a, a lady... In the altar, we were praying for her, and she had this um, trouble with her knee. And I began to pray for her, and I said, okay, now test out what he did. Begin to move your knee. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? And I thought, probably, but do it anyways. And so she did. She started moving that knee. She was like, it doesn't hurt anymore. The pain is gone. Why? We've got to see what God did. We've got to say, God, I believe you did it. Now let's see it. Not just talk about it. Not just know all the doctrine, but never do anything. We need to see it in demonstration in our lives. See it happening right before us. And you may say, well, I don't know about all this. I had somebody ask me one time, they said, do I have to speak in tongues every day? Do you think that's what should be happening? People should be doing all that? And I said, well, no, I don't think you have to speak in tongues every day. I said, but if you walk up to a man who is, let's say you want to get in shape and you walk up to this man and he's got a big belly and he doesn't have any muscles in his arms 
and you say, how many times a day do you work out? And he says, well, I, I don't work out how many times a day? I work out once a month. That's how many times, maybe. And you say, okay, okay. And then you go to this guy who's got washboard abs, huge muscles. You say, how many times do you work out? And he says, I work out every day, twice a day at least. That's how much I work out. Well, which one do you want to look like? Then you follow his exercise routine. And Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I, I want to look like what Paul did, so I'm going to do what Paul did. If I want to look like what they did in the Bible, I need to do what they did. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, a lot of us can't do what Jesus did because we don't do what Jesus did, which was the praying and the seeking and the allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him. We don't do what he did, so we can't do what he did. I thought that was a great thought that he had. But I want to show you what Jesus did say about the Holy Spirit. First of all, before he left the earth, he looked at his disciples and he said, Do not leave Jerusalem until you have received the Holy Spirit. Don't do one thing. Don't preach one sermon. Don't, don't heal one sick person. Don't do one thing until you've received. And I, I find it scary that we kind of live in a place where we just, we don't know if people have it or not. And people are in leadership positions and they don't have the Holy Spirit. And we say, and Jesus told them, don't do one thing till you got it. Don't do one thing until you have received. Jesus himself did not do one thing until the Holy Spirit had ascended on him as a dove. And I heard a man come over from China and he said, the church in America, if you took the Holy Spirit out of the church in Acts, he said 95% of what they did would cease. He said, but if you took the Holy Spirit out of the church in America, 95% of what we do would still exist. That's a scary thought. Do we look like the biblical church or do we just look like what we want to look like? And what I've noticed is we look a lot, we know a lot about God. He created us. He created the earth and everything we see. We know a lot about Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. His blood covers our sin. He's the son. But if I ask people who is the Holy Spirit, they have a hard time answering that question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's the third person of the triune Godhead. Well, that's a great answer for a biblical test. But I just want to know who he is to you. I want to know the relationship you have with him, the connection you have with him. What does he love? What does he hate? What grieves him? Who is he? That's what I want to know. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you hear him speak to you? Do you hear him as he walks and talks to you? And maybe you're like me in here today. You say, I have the Holy Spirit. I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke with other tongues. I do it regularly. But this is my thing I want to tell you. If you ever start a fire and you don't keep it kindled, it will go out. It's not once spirit-filled, always spirit-filled. You know how we always say it's not once saved, always saved? It's the same thing with being spirit-filled. You are not supposed to just get filled up and just one time, that's it. A lot of people say, well, I'm holiness. And they're hateful, too. They're more hateful than they are holiness. And you think, man, you think, man, if that's holiness, I sure don't want to be that. I don't want to be whatever they are. But what I found, and I found out why I think they are. I think I get it, why holiness people get so hateful sometimes. is because if you're ever carrying water and you're holding it in your hand, you're trying not to spill it. It's full to the brim, and you don't want to spill it. You don't want any of that water to get out. 
and you're walking and something brushes up against you. Oh, makes you mad. Don't you see I'm trying to carry this? You're going to make me spill it. But see, that's how we treat when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're like, I got to keep it in. I got to keep myself filled with the Spirit so people will know I am filled with the Spirit. And if you keep water in a jar long enough, it gets gross. It gets stagnant. Little stuff starts floating in it. It's nasty. You weren't intended to keep this stuff in. You're supposed to fling that stuff everywhere. You're supposed to pour out the love of Jesus. Let it bubble out. Let it pour out. And then when you are empty after you've been filled, you're supposed to go back to that same spigot you got it from because it doesn't run dry and be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. But I want to tell you, if you decide to let the Holy Spirit fill you and refill you and have his way in you like I'm preaching today, you're going to have to give him control. And that's a hard thing to do. A lot of times we do not like to do that at all. And, and it means that, but I will tell you that something is controlling you if he's not. For example, if I'll give you this thought. If you are in here and you have anger problems, anger is controlling you. How do I know that? Have you ever seen somebody get mad? They get so mad they go punch a fi their fist through the wall. Well, that doesn't make any sense because now you're mad, you got a problem, and you got a hole in the wall. No logical person is going to do that because now you got two problems, but anger controlled and dictated your actions, and you punched that hole in the wall. Some of us are controlled by bitterness. You ever been walking through the store, and you see somebody that you don't like, and you start hiding behind the cereal? You don't want to talk to them? No logical person hides behind cereal. Bitterness is controlling you. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, he starts looking at those things. And he says, fear, anger, depression, bitterness, bow down. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new leader who is leading this body, who is determining what happens in this soul. That's what I'm going to do in here. I'm going to clean all this mess out, and I'm going to take care of this person. That's what he does. He begins to handle those things. I want to share two last things with you. And one of them is, I want to give you this example, this analogy to see in your head. But when you get saved, or let me just say, if I took you up here and I put a blindfold on you, and I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk down these steps, and I want you to go through every pew, and then I want you to go all the way to the back, and I want you to come all the way back up to where I am. People are going to be walking around, they're going to be talking and doing what they need to do, and you got to get back to me, but you're blindfolded. Well, that is going to be a hard task. You're going to have to go through. You're going to have to feel your way through. I'm going to say, you can hear my voice through this mic, but you're going to hear everybody else's voice too. And they're going to be loud. And so you're trying to hear me. You're going to get to me, but you're going to come back beaten up, bruised, battered, worn out, and weary. And, but how about if I did this? I said, okay, I want you to do the same thing, but this time I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to walk you through every aisle I'm going to speak right into your ear. You're going to be able to hear me. That's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. When you just get saved and you say, okay, I'm saved, but I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. You're saying, I want to walk these pews myself. I want to do that. I'm going to try to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm going to try to figure it out. 
and you're going to be beaten up and worn out and weary by the time you get to heaven. <laughs> but if you allow the Holy Spirit to grab onto your hand and guide you, he'll guide you through every obstacle. He'll guide you around things that you cannot see, that you cannot be prepared for. He will do it in your life. I want to share this story with you about a pastor named Mark Rutland. I love Mark Rutland. If you haven't ever heard him, go find him. He is online. You can, he's a wonderful preacher. He talks about how he got filled with the Spirit, and he said he was a Methodist pastor, and he was 28 years old, and he was in line to basically be their bishop. He was just so successful in that church. And one day, he, he was up there, and you know he was looking like he had everything together, but in all honesty, he was getting drunk every night. He was so depressed, he could not hardly function. His marriage was falling apart. I mean, just definitely clinical depression is where he was. He said he tried to take his life three times. He took a gun that um, they say does not go off, does not not go off. If you throw it on the ground, it'll fire. He put it in his mouth till he gagged on the barrel, and he said that he pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. He cleaned the gun, did it again, and it did not go off again. He said then he got in a car a couple of weeks later, tried to run off of a bridge. He said he blacked out and found himself on the side of the road with his seatbelt on perfectly fine. God was protecting him. God had his hand on him, but he was so, so depressed, and he hated anything to do with the Holy Spirit. It was just he was not okay with that. And he went to this service that they had for Methodist pastors, and he said he was standing outside of this hotel conference, and in the hall of that hotel, Methodist pastors were praying for other Methodist pastors. He said, we didn't do this in church, much less in the hallway of a hotel. So he walked into that place, and he walked up there, and he saw his friend, and his friend said, Mark, I have been healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Mark said, Phil, how? How? Fill me in. What, is, what do you mean you've been healed? He said, give me the good theological definition of what you're talking about. Do you mean spiritually healed? He said, no. He said, I don't have the bones in the, my ear to be able to hear out of this ear with. You know that. He said, I wasn't born with them. But he said, I'm going to close this ear and you say something. And he did, and the man answered him. He answered him. He could hear. He could hear perfectly fine. He said, I've hated my father for years, but today if he walked through that door, I would love him. He said, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Mark got mad. This didn't make Mark happy. He didn't believe in this. He said, we don't believe in this. Why are you talking about it? So he went to the back and he said, nobody better say one more thing about the Holy Spirit here. I just don't want to hear it. Well, he sat in the back of that conference and the man got up to preach and he said, well, today I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit. And Mark said he was mad. He said, but everything that man preached on, he said, I didn't disagree with. He said, I agreed with him. It was biblical. It was fine. He could say it. He goes, and then he closed that Bible, and he said, all right, now let's see it. Talk about, that's pretty amazing. He said, now let's see it happen. He began, he said, that place got so hot, all of a sudden the preacher looked over there, and he said, you over there, you've had type 1 diabetes. He said, stand up and be healed. Mark said, I know that man. He does have type 1 diabetes. He's not going to stand up. So that man shot to his feet. He said, I feel it. I can feel it. It's like electricity running through me. And in that moment, that man was totally healed and has never put insulin in himself again or been on a diet for type 1 diabetes. 
Then he said, he looked over on the other side and he said, you over there with the glasses. He had glasses on as thick as ashtrays. Couldn't see to read his Bible. His wife had to read his Bible when he got up to preach. Said, you over there, stand up and be healed. That man threw his glasses off, started screaming like a girl. He said, I can see, I can see, I'm healed. Right there in the middle of that service. Mark said it scared him. He got up, ran out the back door, ran back in three times. He said, I didn't know what to do with myself. Never seen stuff like this. He walked back in that third time and all of a sudden, he said, I began to see every bad thing I had ever done. My life flashed before my eyes. He said, I fell to my knees and said, God, don't kill me. Don't kill me because he knew he deserved to die. He knew he deserved to be done with from all the things he had been doing. And he said that pastor walked down the steps to him and picked him up. He said, like a child, he picked him up under his arms and he said, Brother Pastor, I love you. Mark said, if you knew me, you wouldn't love me. He said, Brother Pastor, I love you and you need the Holy Spirit. Mark said he opened his mouth to say, I don't want that. I don't believe in that. He said, but I heard my own mouth say, yes, that's what I need. Give it to me. I need the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, he touched him. And he was the first person he had ever heard speak in tongues. He said, I began to speak in tongues. He said, and the world just became a different place. He said, the grass was greener. The roses were redder. I was just excited. He said, I had joy in my heart. He said, everything around me was still the same. I still had all the struggles around me. He said, but what had happened on the inside? I wasn't dealing with the things I was dealing with before. What am I telling you? If you're in here and you're depressed, you don't need another 12 steps to get better. You don't need any of that. You need the Holy Spirit. If your marriage is falling apart, it's good to seek counselors, but what you need more than a counselor is the Holy Spirit. What do you need today? The answer is you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're hungry for it. You're desperate for it. There's an ache in you. You need the Holy Spirit. Will you stand to your feet with me? you bow your head and close your eyes if you're in here and you say I want it I want it more I want the Holy Spirit if you say I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit I've never had it but I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit would you slip up your hand amen amen I see those hands I see those hands you say I want it don't be scared don't be ashamed. A lot of times when we think about that, we think, oh man, they're going to they're gonna slap me up with oil and they're going to pray over me and spit all on me and that's what they're going to do and that's all it's going to be. No. No, you can receive the Holy Spirit right in your seat. He can meet you right there. It can be however you need. So if you say, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, I want you to raise your hand again. Amen. I see those hands. I see those hands. Now, if you say with me, you say, I, I want, I have the Holy Spirit, but I want to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled. If you say, I spoke in tongues long ago, but I want to do it again. I want to feel him fill me up. Oh, you need it. I'm telling you, you need it. I need it right now. If you say, that's me, I want you to slip up your hand. See those hands. I see those hands. Oh, how we need it. If you're in here 
If you feel comfortable, like I said, you can receive it right in your seat. But if you say, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, and I want you to pray for me, I want to open up these altars. I want you to come, and we'll pray for you socially distanced. And I'll pray for you from behind, but you can receive him right here in this place. If you want to do that, these altars are open. But until then, I want us, if we will, do you know the song, Sweet Holy Spirit? Okay, I'll sing it. You guys sing it with me. Sweet.